0: The law school's International Technology Transfer Institute, also known as ITTI, does work all over the world, and recently with Argentina. Director Stanley Kowalski joins the show to discuss this unique program. This is the UNH Law Podcast. Learn more about the law school and apply by visiting law.unh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host, and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire. Big picture, what is ITTI?
1: Oh, ITTI uh, is an abbreviation for the International Technology Transfer Institute. Uh, That's the program which I direct here at the University of New Hampshire School of Law, UNH Law. And it is also a clinical program where students work with us on projects Uh, Our mission is to help developing countries to build the institutional uh, infrastructure in order to use intellectual property to advance their development. So in that sense, our uh, mission is congruent with that of several international organizations, such as the World Bank, the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, as well as uh, organizations in the United States government, such as the Commercial Law Development Program of the U.S. Department of Commerce. So we work together with those organizations in partnerships in order to help various developing countries build their human capital institutions and institutional infrastructure in intellectual property.
0: Yeah, a lot of people. Do not realize the all the many aspects that come with developing an economy and the technology that's behind it. Because you're you're dealing with patents, you're dealing with manpower,
1: knowledgeable manpower, things like that. Well, the, it, that that precisely is correct, AJ. The situation in the world is this: in the twenty first century, the world is transitioning increasingly from commodity-based economies to knowledge-based economies. Thus, the primary asset of value in the global economy is knowledge, what we would call knowledge assets, intellectual assets. And the movement of these intangible intellectual assets is critical in the global innovation economy. However, one of the problems with developing countries is they do not have well-established human capital institutions and institutional infrastructure in order to efficiently function in this rapidly expanding global innovation economy. ITTI, our mission is to help developing countries build those capabilities and that capacity in order to efficiently transition to, diversify to, and function in this global innovation economy. Intellectual property and intellectual property rights are the tools and mechanism which add value and uh, permit uh, more efficient transactions in this global economy.
0: I'd imagine adding these industries this way as opposed to just bare bones manufacturing of developing countries, which has been the pattern for decades, if not hundreds of years, is kind of helps these countries get a leg up over countries that haven't made that investment?
1: Well, the, the way it works is this. You could think of the global economy as three sectors and think of it historically. For example, uh, there was agricultural and commodity-based. So agricultural products and commodities. Commodities would be, for example, mining and petroleum. Many developing countries are still highly reliant on agricultural and commodity economies. And we're reliant on them having it (laughs) Well, to a certain (laughs) certain certain extent. (laughs) To a certain extent, we are, and we always will be. The second type of economic development is what we call foreign direct investment. So that was a common pattern in the 20th century. For example, Nike builds factories in Indonesia, that type of economic development. However, in the 21st century, developing countries can no longer rely on foreign direct investment for development because the multinational corporations, a lot of their manufacturing is becoming increase, increasingly robot driven. It's mm, automated. Which automated, which ironically is intellectual property. Uh, so a lot of the companies, now, or a lot of, excuse me, a lot of the countries around the world now, need to recognize this and then begin to invest in, once again, their human capital and institutions in order to transition to a knowledge-based economic development, which would be building innovation ecosystems, which, ergo requires capability and intellectual property, which takes us back to the mission of ITTI.
0: And I'd imagine once they get rolling with it, it offers them a lot more independence as time goes on, that they're not reliant on the First World Nations to uh, develop their programs because their government will eventually become self-sufficient.
1: The uh, well, there's the ideal and the real. yeah <laughs> uh, so then you express the ideal. Yes, <laughs> the real the real is otherwise. The real I- involves a tremendous amount of education and advocacy. So and it's mixed together. So in our ITTI program, we educate but we advocate and it's mixed together and that creates the platform of credibility, which then we hope helps to facilitate this transition. Uh, For example, I was recently in Argentina working with the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, on a new Master of Intellectual Property and Innovation program for Latin America. So I worked with uh, students who were, were really seasoned professionals from 11 countries throughout the region of Latin America everywhere from the Dominican Republic to Argentina and everywhere in between and what we did what we did was try to understand where are you now and where do you want to go and what type of capacity building is necessary to make that happen so it's a combination of education and i can help you to understand where you need to go and what you need to do as well as advocacy in that this is important and you need to pay attention and you need to invest because the 21st century is moving very, very fast uh, and it's time to catch up.
0: Yeah, what sort of departments within uh, Argentina did you work with to to help facilitate this?
1: Well, this was an interesting project in Argentina because we uh, have three organizations I was working with. One of them is the University of San Andreas, uh, which is a university in Buenos Aires, which was our host institution, whom we, where we were based and where we worked. The other one was the World Intellectual Property Organization (WIPO) out of Geneva, Switzerland, which is a um, uh, part of the United Nations. It's an agency of the United Nations which works in intellectual property. And the third one was the Intellectual Property Office of Argentina. So there's these three organizations. Who have partnered to advance his program? Uh, interestingly, the director of the Intellectual Property Office of Argentina is a graduate of the Franklin Pierce Law Center. Oh, really? Yes, that's cool. Yes. So he and I uh, had very similar ways of viewing things, so we worked together quite well to advance his project.
0: I'd imagine that was very helpful to, A, they have an intellectual property office at all, because I'd imagine some of these developing countries don't or barely have developed that department. And then, B, also having someone that's knowledgeable in intellectual property already.
1: Well, no, no, there's three. There's A, B, and C. So, A, yeah, B, yes, and C, it's has a similar type of viewpoint of intellectual property as I do based on the fact that we're both graduates of the Franklin Pierce Law Center. And what that means. Intellectual property is viewed very differently country to country. (laughs) Well, country to country and university to university. So the uh, Franklin Pierce Law Center was very, was, and the UNH law is very practice oriented and practical. And that helped a lot because this is practical capacity building, not only theoretical. Now,
0: how did working with Argentina differ from, you went to Armenia last year, if I remember right.
1: Well, I tend to start with all the A countries. So uh, we've worked in (laughs) Armenia, which is a former Soviet Union. We've worked in uh, Algeria, which is North Africa, and we worked in Argentina, which is South America. So we're (laughs) heading towards Zimbabwe (laughs) at some point in time. Well, actually, I did work in Zimbabwe with WIPO. So every country presents different challenges, which are unique, but there's a similarity across the board, across the world. And the similarity is this. The similarity is that many, if not most of these countries, are still in a 20th century paradigm of economic, uh, an economic system based on the 20th century, which can be primarily commodity or it may be manufacturing, but it's still not uh, knowledge-based, innovation-driven. And once again, to make that transition, intellectual property is critical because we're looking at a global... Innovation market where innovation moves in multiple directions, that's called open innovation, and intellectual property and technology transfer and capability in these areas is crucial to accelerate development. Mm-hmm. And what we do is, once again, is advocate and educate to help developing countries move in that direction.
0: Uh, What were some of the specific things that Argentina was looking at doing?
1: Well, in Argentina, it wasn't Argentina alone. Once again, it was a WIPO project, uh, what we call the MIPI, Master of Intellectual Property Innovation, to build capacity throughout Latin America. It's Based in Argentina, but the students were from 11 countries throughout the region. And what we, our first step is to help the students who are basically intellectual property professionals already to uh, take on a new paradigm, a new way of looking at intellectual property as in fact a tool for development a tool for building economies a tool for advancing diversification and that's the primary first step then they take this back this message back to their countries or respective countries and they advocate and they educate in order to get buy-in from their com- countries to invest in this sort of development model In other words, to begin to transition from commodity-based systems more to innovation-driven, knowledge-based economies.
0: Now, with your students you have here, as you mentioned, it's the clinical program ultimately also. Uh, What sort of work do the students do that work with you?
1: The students here in the clinical program are critical in the success of our ITTI programs. And the best way to illustrate that is with examples. For example, when I went to um, Algeria last April, students prepared patent landscape uh, analysis. And a patent landscape is looking at a field of technology and determining what the patents are in that field. For example, if it was a UV detector, ultraviolet light detector for intense sunshine, which is a problem in North Africa, the students looked at a number of patents related to that in order to use this as an example, which is a teaching example to show the Algerians how important it is to have an understanding, a comprehensive understanding of the intellectual property rights surrounding any field of technology they want to enter in. So the students uh, here at UNH Law in the ITTI clinic build these patent landscapes along with my uh, help, of course, and then I take those and present them to the Algerians in order to not only illustrate and teach, but also to advocate for the importance of understanding intellectual property in terms of information management knowledge, and then using that strategically in order to advance their diversification and economic development. So the students provide me with the foundation that I use when I go into a developing country. Likewise, when I went to Argentina, uh, the ITTI students in the ITTI clinic prepared a comprehensive um, PowerPoint presentation for all the countries in Latin America— Uh, providing for where they are in terms of their current economies, which primarily is commodity and agriculture. Not surprisingly, where they are in terms of their situation with patenting. In other words, who are the primary owners of patents in these countries? Well, it's primarily multinational corporations such as Procter & Gamble and where they want to go. Where do they want to go? They want to become, uh, for example, Korea's of the future, Korea is a success story in terms of building an innovation IP, intellectual property economy, and how do we get there? So that's the uh, foundation that the students provide to me so that when I go into the developing country, I have a package which provides me with uh, the information I need and also the credibility I need in order to be taken seriously in the countries. Mm -hmm.
0: Now you said you're you're actually an alum of Franklin Pierce Law Center at the time. Now UNH School of Law. What is your education background?
1: Uh, I have a JD from the Franklin Pierce Law Center, but I also have a PhD from Cornell University in plant breeding, which is actually genetics and biochemistry of crop plants. So that gives me the uh, scientific understanding of innovation and development which has been very critical in my understanding of the necessity to build these systems in developing countries, because the innovations in various sectors are very important to developing countries. For example, innovation in health, innovation in agriculture, and innovation in energy. And these three are all very important in developing countries, particularly with the many changes in the 21st century For example, climate change, which is impacting all three of those sectors significantly, which all the more provides greater urgency for building these types of capacity and capabilities to diversify towards innovation.
0: Do you have any uh, specific success stories of your work making an impact on these countries?
1: Success is is measured incrementally Mm -hmm. in international development. Nothing happens fast. So the success, I would say, is we've successfully built really good collaborations with the WIPO, with the U.S. Department of Commerce. We had a successful uh, relationship with the World Bank, uh, not presently, but previously we did, I've been successful in introducing ITTI students in the clinic to professional organizations and professional venues that they otherwise would not have happened. For example, I led a delegation of ITTI students to Geneva, Switzerland to present patent landscape to a joint uh, conference of the World Trade Organization, World Intellectual Property Organization, and the World Health Organization. That's WTO, WIPO, and WHO. So that's a success. I've led delegations of ITTI students to Washington DC to visit the Department of Commerce, Department of State, the United States Patent and Trademark Office, uh, the White House and the World Bank. So that's a success story. Our success story is also our global networks with developing countries. For example, Latin America, Southeast Asia, um, Africa, and now uh, North African region. So the, these success stories are really rooted in building the networks necessary in order to further advance the program. And as I said, it's incremental. It's nothing spectacular, but that's the way international development unfolds. It's, a, it's a, One has to be persistent.
0: Links to learn more about the program are available in the episode description and at law.unh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire.